I mean, it is hard. Like you mentioned, you know, it, it is very hard and it's, it's about discipline. And then, you know, discipline applies to running. It applies to your health. It applies to everything in life. And, and that's one thing that, that I strive, I, I strive to be very disciplined about, um, about everything in my life. And I think, you know, if you have that discipline, you can, you can pretty much do anything you put your mind to. Running a hundred miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big, crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100. I'm Jacob Bateman. Joined along with me is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. Hey, guys. And joined along with us, we have a man who a year ago today didn't consider himself a runner, but now he has ran a 100-mile race. So, Michael Davis, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's such such a pleasure to get to talk with you guys about this. So thank you. So first things first, as I just mentioned, how do you go from not considering yourself a runner to running a hundred miles all within a year time period? I know that's a big that's a huge question, but how does this start? Well, I'll tell you how it started for me. It it really all started back about January of last year and it, it it came from a trip that we took with a group of guys that I worked out with, part of a group called F3, Fitness Fellowship of Faith. And and we, uh, we do boot camp type workouts. We get together three, four times a week. We've kind of grown to, we have workouts now about six days a week now that we have a lot of running days and things like that. And so a couple of us got together and, and took a trip out to the frying pan tower. So as part of that, we had to had to fly out there. It's an old lifeguard tower out in the middle of the ocean, about 32 miles off the coast. And so we had to go out there via helicopter and we had to get on scales and kind of weigh ourselves. And at that point in time, I hopped on the scale and I was in 200 pounds. And that is the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. And, um, and with that, I, was, I kind of had to sit in the back of the helicopter. I couldn't enjoy those views from the front seat. And so that really bothered me. And I vowed at that moment that I would never have to ride in the back of that helicopter again. And so coming home, I was looking for a way to, to, to kind of start losing some of those pounds. And so I started thinking, you know, I, I need to do more than just these boot camp workouts with these guys. I needed to start running. That was one way that I knew I could really um, try to burn some calories and, and, and lose some weight. And so I did. I started running, you know, three, four miles at a time, a couple of times a week. And, and it, I, I really didn't enjoy it, but I knew that, uh, that I had a goal. And my goal was to lose weight. And in order for me to succeed, I needed to do that. And so, so that's kind of where it all started. You know, started running and I'm losing weight. Pounds started coming off, started feeling good and finally started to enjoy running. And to me, that was, that was the turning point, you know, putting, putting all the time and effort in and, and really, really getting out there and starting to enjoy things. And, and then from there, it just started, you know, just started trying to reach for, reach for more goals. After I started losing weight, I, I started trying to determine, all right, what is my next goal? Now that I've reached this milestone, I've got to have something else to shoot for. And I think once I got there, that's when I started looking for races. You know, I, I wanted all this running. I wanted it to mean something. And for me, that was, you know, I needed a race. And so, and I looked for, a, I started looking for a race at that point. And, and the race that I picked was the Kiowa Marathon. And so, you know, the most I'd ever done was like a 5K here and there around town and, and, and struggled getting through those. Never was I out there doing really great. It was just something, you know, that we did for work or something and just went and ran those. But this was a, this was for me, my first serious race. And it was a marathon, never run a half marathon or anything like that. So there was the Kiowa Marathon was in December. Me and my buddy, we, we agreed to kind of sign up and do this thing together. And um, he put together a training plan for us. And, and we ran, you know, months leading up to this, to kind of getting ready for this marathon in December. And I went in there with, with a goal of, 
being running this marathon sub four, a sub four hour marathon, and I came out of there with a three fifty seven. And so I was just extremely thrilled with that, you know. And I think for me, it was just it, it meant a lot to me because there was a lot of hard work that went into that, a lot of miles, a lot of early mornings doing things that I really didn't want to do, and 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 for it all to pay off like that, it it was just it really meant a lot. Wow. That's that. I mean, it's impressive to have your first race be a marathon and it's, it's a whole nother level of impressive to beat four hours the very first time you ever run a marathon. And it's even more impressive that you did all of that in ba- basically a year, less than a year. Less um, than a year yeah. yeah, that that is really, really impressive. I, I do want to back up just a little bit. You said that you started to run and you didn't like it but then you started to enjoy it. And I think this is huge because I think there's so many people out there who just, they think running is the most terrible thing. And, and I will say it's not for everyone. If you're not into running, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a lot of people out there who, if they just stuck to it for a little bit, they could actually learn to really love it. So where do you think that switch happened or why did that switch happen? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like from not liking it to all of a sudden you were liking it. Was it because all of a sudden you were feeling good or, or how did that switch happen? I think there's a couple of things. One is, you know, seeing results and, and results in a couple of different ways. One is I was burning those calories. I was losing weight. It, it made me happy to know that I was, um, that I was achieving the goal that I wanted to achieve. Two, seeing results as in being able to run and not wanting to pass out when you run, you know, a mile, you know, <laughs> that when, when I started, you know, I, I'd run <laughs> trying to keep up with these other guys and, uh, and it was tough. I'd get done and I'd want to fall over, you know? And so I think the, the really big thing that I think for me, I wish somebody had told me this early on is whenever you start out running, don't try to keep up with whoever it may be that you're running with, run your own pace, run what you're comfortable with so that you don't feel like you are about to pass out because that's the point when you're like, I don't want to have to come out here and do this, you know, make, make it enjoyable. And, and then lastly, find, find people that you can run with because the camaraderie that I've found in running is just amazing. The the guys that I run with, I love them all. And it's, I look forward to it. I look forward to running with them every day. Oh, I love that. We actually, we did a podcast right before this one. And he also, it's like the whole podcast is about find people that you can run with, run with people. And I feel like that just has been a big theme. We just in the people we've been interviewing and I'm just like, man, that, that is so important to go out and find that community and find those friends and have that accountability and, and find people who are going to help push you. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy you shared that. It can be, I've found sometimes it's, it can be easy to, to quit on yourself. You know, like if you got to wake up early in the morning and just like, ah, I didn't get to sleep on time. I'm just going to sleep in later. I'll just get a little three mile run instead of like the six that I was planning. But if you have someone else that you're going to go running with that morning and meet up, you know, even if you didn't get the sleep you wanted, you're getting out of bed because you got someone else expecting you to be you know, where you're at. So I, I, I yeah. agree with you totally. That's, I think that's a really good golden nugget to, if you haven't found someone to run with or a group of people to run with, like get out there and find them. Cause we need each other. Even if it's just once a week, if, if it seems scary, yeah. intimidating, you don't have to run with people every day. Just go find a group that meets once a week, you know? This is a running podcast, obviously, but I wanted to, quickly ask you at least just one question on this you you talked about you know how part of the reason you started running was to lose some weight so dieting you know because a lot of runners out there they they do they are trying to lose some weight too because obviously if you can lose weight it's easier on your joints you're easier going is to run you know and your last chance of injury how did you, I guess, you know, there's a million ways to diet and lose weight. How did you do it? Sure. You know, just a lot of searching on the internet, trying to figure out what may have worked for other people. And, you know, I just took that and I I started trying to eat healthier, trying to kind of watch what I was eating, you know, counting calories. I was very specific on what I put in my body. 
And, you know, I, I made certain that I maintained that, that calorie deficit that I needed in order to be successful in that. And I think it was just, you know, as, as far as what you eat, I, I wasn't really, you know, concerned as much about what I, I cut out a lot of things that I knew were bad, you know, high calorie things, obviously off the table. But, you know, sh- short of that, you know, if I had, you know, a thousand calories to eat that day, you know, when I got to a thousand calories, I was done and that was it. And so if I, if I ate something that was, you know, higher in calories early in the day, it just means I wasn't going to be able to lot later in the day. And so I was just very strict on myself as far as maintaining that calorie deficit and, and maintain it for an extended period of time. So I could see those benefits. Do you feel like I'm trying to decide how I want to word this? I feel like there's a lot of people struggle with big caloric deficit because, well, I mean, it's really hard, right? It's hard to it exercise is. when you're yeah. hungry. It's hard to function when you're hungry. And when you're trying to lose weight, there there is a point of like, you just kind of, you just have to do it. It's hard, right? There are a lot of people who they do the calorie deficit, but it's really extreme. And then once they lose the weight then they go back to their original habits. So how, how did you maintain healthy habits once you hit the weight that you wanted to hit well throughout this whole process i've kind of learned what's what's good and what's not good as far as eating and and i I don't necessarily count calories anymore but i am very conscious of what i eat and i I try to make sure that uh, that i eat as healthy as i can and but but i have gotten to the point where i enjoy some things a little more than others now that i've kind of gotten to where i what i consider kind of my maintain you know and, you know, and as long as I'm running and getting in these miles and burning those calories, I don't have a problem with eating something, you know, I feel like I've, I've earned it at that point. You know, I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm trying to lose any, I'm just trying to maintain. I want to, I want to be able to continue to, to do what I'm doing and enjoy it and, and feel good and be healthy. And, and I, and I can say that I, that I am at this point in time, you know, I, I feel good about where I'm at and I'm, I'm happy. And I'm, I'm full of energy when it comes time to go. So I love it. That's awesome. Way, way to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it is hard. Like you mentioned, you know, it, it is very hard and it's, it's about discipline. And then, you know, discipline applies to running. It applies to your health. It applies to everything in life. And, and that's one thing that, that I strive, I, I strive to be very disciplined about um, about everything in my life. And I think, you know, if you have that discipline, you can, you can pretty much do anything you put your mind to. So going on top of that, cause yeah, discipline is almost, it's everything with running. And if you don't have discipline, you're not going to reach your running goals. So what about finishing that marathon made you want to go for the big dog for a hundred miles because that is a huge jump because usually the progression is like okay 50k 50 miles in a few years i'll do a hundred yeah yeah you're like okay well i just did a marathon now let's run 100 miles you did a marathon in was that in december in december yeah and you just barely completed your first hundred here in early February. So you gave it two to three months in between that you yeah. made the jump. So what made you decide I'm going to go for that? Well, I, I think one thing was completing the marathon and, and realizing that, 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 that I had more in the tank. You know, when I got done, you know, it, it hurt. It was tough to get through it, but I realized there was more there. And, um, after coming away from that and thinking about it, you know, I really wanted to push myself to see what my true limits are. And that was my motivation. I looked, I I thought about a 50 K or a hundred K I'm sorry for, for a few minutes, but I was like, you know, 31 miles, that's six miles more. You know, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I could do that. I didn't even doubt myself there. I was like, if I really want to test myself, this is it. This is it, a hundred miler. And it was right here in my backyard. I didn't have to travel. You know, it was maybe 10 miles from my house that they were having it. So it was just like the perfect storm. And um, I, I reached out to some folks and uh, found a, a guy that I, that I knew who had, the, one of the few guys that I know who've done any ultras here and mentioned it to him and asked for a training plan. And he, at the time I was, I didn't commit 
to uh, to 100 miles. I was even afraid to say it out loud, but I told him I wanted to do something big, and he was on board, and he put together a training plan. And at the time, I told him, I said, if you put this plan together, I'll follow it to a T. I'll do whatever it takes to get to the finish line. And we developed this plan, and, and I set out and and ran pretty much every training run that he had on there up until the race. And I basically ran all those up until about two weeks prior to the race. And then I had some foot pain that came on about two weeks before, which was a week short of my taper. And I was, that really made me nervous kind of going into this race, knowing that I just had that foot pain after going this whole time, not having any health issues and then having some pain. So I took the two weeks off and I just tried to rest up as much as I can and just tried to prepare mentally for it. And, and went in there and, and got it done. Going into this training, because, you know, a 100-mile race isn't isn't one. There, and it's partially one during the race, but it's mostly one during your training. How many hours a week do you think you were out there training, just on average? It's, it's probably 10, 10 or so. You know, all early morning hours, you know, our, our, our run group, we get up at, we, we run around 5 in the morning during the week. And on the weekend, we try to wrap up around 7.30 and go have what we call cafeteria and then go just chit-chat for a while. And so all my long runs on Saturday, I always back up and start, you know, we I do, you know, three to four hours. So we'd start, you know, 3.30 in the morning, sometimes earlier than that, to get some of these runs in just so I could finish up with them at 7.30. So it allowed me to kind of get in my runs without taking away further time away from home. And, and it kind of prepped me for, for running in the middle of the night and, and for doing things when I really didn't want to, you know, yeah. running when you're tired. So I think a lot of that really helped. Wow. Okay. And did you do any cross training? So did you do anything besides running to prepare? I, I attended some of the boot camps on Tuesday and going into those, I would try to run. I'd try to run a little small distance before the boot camp and then do the boot camp and then try to run a little bit after. And again, it's just getting comfortable running on tired legs was my philosophy there. I'm ready to move to South Carolina and join this F3 gym. I know, I'm it's, like, uh, we need a group out here yeah. like that. That sounds, sounds awesome. Boot camp maybe, training. Maybe like... we need to start it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hey, look them awesome. up. F, F3nation.com, look them up. I know they're out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we will. We will. And we'll put the link in the show notes too, for anyone else who's listening and wants to find a cool group. So was there any point during the training where you thought, okay, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to do, because it's a 30 hour timed race. I guess there's technically no like DNF, as long as you go the distance, right? But you had the goal of a hundred miles. Was there any point when you were training where you thought, Eh, I'm not sure if this is actually going to happen. And you started to doubt your abilities or how did that go for you? I think probably at first, given it was such a big jump, I will say maybe I doubted it and maybe I doubted my ability to do it. And that's why I was a little skeptical about telling people that I was going for a hundred miles. But as the training went along, I I started to be really comfortable in it and I felt confident that uh, that I was going to do it. And then and, and then as soon as I spoke those words to my friends and said, "Hey, I'm going to run this 100 miles. Will you be there to help support me and, and crew me and things like that?" and started gathering my team. Once that team assembled, I'd already put it out there to them that it was going to happen, and I knew at that point that I was going to do whatever it took to make it happen. I had a lot of guys that came and took away time from their family and traveled to get here to help support me, and it was they were going to have to haul me off the course before I, before I quit. That was for sure. That's the mindset you got to have. I love it. It's a, a David yeah. Goggins mindset. Yeah. Well, he, he inspired me greatly. And, you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of things that I've gathered from him over the past few months. And there's a one specific video that, that I, that I ran across early on looking for some motivation and that, that is still today my favorite little four minute video. And he speaks the truth in that. And and that's really it. It's, it's all on you. You know, it's all on you. Could you share the link to that video so we could put it in the show notes? Absolutely. 
Yes. So take us to the day before the race. How are you yeah. feeling? Race recap time. Well, the day before the race, or should I say the weeks leading up to the race, I was watching the weather very closely. The, the few days leading up to the race, they were calling for rain the entire time. Over the front, it was a Saturday morning start. They were calling for rain Friday and Saturday, nonstop rain. And so I went into there knowing that we were going to, that I was going to be wet. I was going to be miserable and I was going to be cold. But those are all things that I trained for, you know, with part of F3, you know, we just because it's raining, just because it's cold, that doesn't mean we don't show up. We still go. We still get our work in. And so I've been preparing for that and, and mostly just preparing mentally for being out there and, and for being in it. And so the day before I, I started putting together all my gear and I realized that my rain jackets probably weren't going to cut it. And so I went, went to REI and bought, um, bought some Gore-Tex. I bought a Gore-Tex rain jacket and some Gore-Tex mittens. And those probably saved the race for me, along with a few other things. But I had those ready. I jokingly sent my, my buddies a message of a pair of work boots in the back of my truck and said that if uh, the running shoes aren't cutting it in the rain, I got the waterproof work boots. And so <laughs> I had everything that I could think of. Whether or not I thought it was something I'd use, it was all there. And so going into the race, I felt, I felt ready, you know, ready for the rain. I had prepared for it and was ready. And so I got pretty fortunate, you know, the race started at nine and we got out or I got out and put in, I want to say about 40 miles before, before the rain started. And then the rain finally started and it rained for 16 hours straight and a total of 2.25 inches of rain during the race. And it was it was everything you could imagine and more. It was, it was horrible. And the uh, funny thing about it is the course, we ran a seven and a half mile loop around the park there. And uh, up until it got dark, it was, it was the same thing. It was the same seven and a half mile loop. But as soon as it got dark, the course completely changed. And then it started raining and every lap thereafter, it seemed like it was a completely different course because it got, <laughs> it got, it got dark. It started raining. The The trails were flooded. You'd go by, there'd be a little tiny puddle. The next time you come by, it was a huge puddle. Um, uh -huh. There was one area in there that there was some culverts that the water was rushing in. At one point in the night, the, the road overtopped and there was about 10 inches of water over the top of the road that made for about a 60 foot wide river that became basically a river crossing. And oh as funny gosh. as it is, after walking through that on that lap after being out for many hours in the rain in the cold changing shoes changing socks as much as I could that's when I got back to the truck and told those guys that I wanted to try the boots and lo and behold I put on those Ariat work boots and trekked around that seven and a half mile course in a pair of work boots wow just just so I could have warm feet and that to me was a game changer because I made I, seven and a half miles. It was like two and a half hour lap maybe, but I got around there and it was the driest my feet had been in hours. And it just completely wow. changed my spirits. It changed my mood. It had me ready and it, it got me confident to know that I was going to reach that finish line. And shortly after that, the sun came up and, uh, and as the sun started coming up, the rain started to kind of go away and, and, and then the course started changing again, you know, now it's bright again, but it's wet. And then the rain, the, the puddles started to dry up and it just became, it, it finally got to the point where I could run again. And because during the night with the, with the rain coming down, what seemed like sideways, and then the kind of, the, you could see your breath in the headlight. And so you, with all that, you couldn't really see anything except what was right in front of you. And so it made it very difficult to run. But, but as the sun came up, it was just a new energy. And it, when, when the sun came up, I knew there was no doubt that I'd made it through the hardest part. And there was, there was nothing going to stop me at that point. Wow. Okay. One question. So how long did you wear those boots for? Was it just for one lap or was it till the sun came up and you could start running again? No, it was, it was one lap, seven and a half miles. I, okay. they, they, it was painful, but my feet were dry. And at that point, that's all I cared about. Wow. Do you know what I'm thinking as you're telling this story? I'm like, based off of what 
we know of you at this point, I feel like this is the perfect race for you. Because not only is it a hundred mile race, but it's raining and it's the same loop over and over again. It just sounds like it was made for you. And that's the kind of challenge you were looking for. <laughs> you know, looking back on it, there's not a thing I would change. I, I appreciate everything that was thrown at me that day and that night. And yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. It, it, it makes it all that much greater. Wow. Was there like, so you basically ran with wet feet for almost the whole race, correct? 16 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what Man. effect did that have on your feet? Like, um, did you blister more or was no, there any, I, it was just annoying mainly? Yeah, it was just cold. It was just very cold. I, I feel like, you know, I haven't really been one to get blisters, you know, throughout this short running career, if you'll call it. But I did get a little hot spot on my foot early on. And, you know, I pointed out to my guys, we tried to put a little blister bandage on it and wrap it. And, you know, I, I think that was more annoying having that additional bandage down in my sock. It was just a big lump. And so it, it, it didn't, it didn't get any worse, put it that way, you know? And so I think there was a lot of other things that were hurting more than that little blister, but yeah, I think it was just the cold feet was this cold, everything. And, and I will say that the Gore-Tex, I finally, you know, I hesitated putting the Gore-Tex on because I knew once I put that on that I didn't have a backup plan. That was, that was yeah. all that, that I had. And so if, if I just resorted to it right away, I, I held out as long as I could. And so I finally put it on, not knowing if it was going to work or not. And I did, I put that on, I think it was around lap seven that I put that on and that they worked like a charm, best money ever spent. You know, it kept me, it kept me dry. My upper body was dry. The little mittens that went over my gloves, kept my hands dry. And it was, it was nice. You know, you're making me a believer in well, you're making me think I need to go buy myself a rain jacket because I've yet to <laughs> I've I've done 100 miles twice now and I've got these cheapo like ra water resistant jackets from, you know, like Ross or whatever. And I've gotten my last hundred. I got soaked multiple times, but luckily it was like sh short spurts yeah. of rain and then it clear up and so I could dry up. But you know, yeah. if, if that were to happen, I guess when you're out there running hundred miles, you, I think you, what you're saying is hundred percent true. You've got to have a good rain jacket. That's actually going to keep you dry. Yeah. I had the water resistant jacket. That's what I started out with. Um, uh -huh. and it just became a, a wet rag, you know, yeah. it was hundred percent saturated. And I remember coming into base camp on that lap and that was right when it was getting dark. And I had my buddies there. They were, they were going to run with me on the dark laps. And when I came into base camp there, I was completely saturated from head to toe and just jackhammering, freezing cold and couldn't quit shivering. And that's when I said, I gotta, I gotta try some. So I changed my, changed all my wet stuff and, and put some dry clothes on and threw the Gore-Tex on and, and got back out there. But it was crazy. Like you, you change your shoes, you change your socks. There was so much water out there that like, you take 10 steps out of the base camp and you'd step in a puddle and you'd be wet again. And so it was, it was all for nothing. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That just sounds so miserable, but also so hardcore and awesome. I'm like, it gets me pumped. I'm like, yeah. I want to go do something hard. <laughs> Over two inches of rain. That is a lot of rain. A lot. It's, of rain. It is. We, we don't typically get that much at one time. And I'm telling you, they threw it all at us at once there. God just knew that you really wanted a challenge. Yeah, well, he, he gave me a good one. I hope he's proud. So so besides Gore-Tex gear, what what other things did, well, and the, the work boots, what other things did you learn worked? Like what advice would you give someone who is like, I'm going to run in the rain, what should I do? What other things did you learn? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, I wore a pair of, I don't know if you've heard of Rundewear. It's a running company, but Rundewear, yeah. they make awesome underwear and they claim they're chafe free. And I will say that, that after a hundred miles, no chafing at all. I, 
they kept asking my underwear and my pants. I have a pair of 10,000 pants. 10,000 company makes great pants. The pants that I wore were the session pants. They are super lightweight. The pants and the underwear, I did not change the entire 100 miles. They kept asking me, my crew kept asking me, do you want to change? I said, no. They, they just dry so fast and they're working. You know, they're, they're not heavy when they're wet. And then they, when it stops raining, they dry super fast. And so I was like, let's not mess that up. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, these are the only pair of pants that I have that I know are not going to hold water. All the other pants are that more cottony material. And I knew that if I put them on, they were going to get wet and heavy. And so I, I felt like I was better off just running in those. And so I swear by those two products there. They're great. And that was Runderwear. And what was the other one? 10,000. That's 10, the company, 10,000. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Session pants. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that underwear stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to put links to all that in the show notes. Too. I think you might have. Yeah. You might have shared some priceless advice right there if that really does work. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> like a miracle. Make life a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Now, so moving on in your race, you mentioned to us earlier through an email that your family came out and saw you at mile 90. Um, yeah. What was that like and what did that mean to you? That was, um. sorry, give me a second. Oh, you're totally good. Yeah. So that was a, a really emotional point for me. Um, I didn't know they were going to show up. I knew they were going to be there at the finish. I'd asked my guys to keep them informed and let them know about what time we thought we were going to finish. But um, this was like a whole lap and a half before the finish. And there they were. Um, we were on like, I, I can see it like it was yesterday. It was a long straightaway. And um, and there my wife and kids were. Um, it was cool. It was cool. And they had, um, they had things written in the sand for me. And, um, it was just some really cool words of encouragement. And, um, it, it meant a lot to see them out there. And, and so we ran, ran together for a little ways and, and that was something that was really special. And then even then, you know, I had to come, I had to do one more lap and, and I came back by that spot one more time. And all that stuff was still there in the sand. And I knew that the finish line was so close. And those words just meant so much to me um, to be able to see that. And, and even after the race, you know, talking to people like days later, I had ran across some other people on Facebook that had posted some stuff in one of the race channels. And they had even spoke about those words that were there and, and, and said that it was a big motivation for them to be able to see that. And it helped them keep going. So. It was just really cool to know that it not only helped me, but it helped other people to kind of see what my kids and, and wife were, were able to do out there. Sounds like you have a great family. I do. Very blessed. Very blessed. I I can relate to you on that. I, it's, it's, it's really special when, you know, those you love come out to support you and, and just encourage you like, I remember mile 80 on my last hundred when I was, I was really struggling at that point. And Melody here was pacing me and she read me text messages that, from family and friends that they have, they had sent me throughout the race. I hadn't touched my phone since I started. So I hadn't seen any yeah. of this and just hearing those words of encouragement and love from them. Just it's, I don't know what it does. It just, it's just like you're so raw in those moments and like just knowing that other people believe in you and love you and it just makes you feel like you you, you got to keep moving on like you can't let them down like then it's not about you then it's about them yeah you know yeah 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 absolutely jacob and i always say when when we did our first hundred it, it was you know self-supported i'm doing quotation marks because I mean, we didn't do it on, on our own. We had tons of friends and family come out and help us. And, and after, I mean, we had people from like other states like drive in and tons of family there. And after that race, we were like, man, we, we feel like we felt more like love and support for on that race than we did on our wedding day. And, yeah. and we felt so much love and support on our wedding day. And, yeah. and we were like that, like, that's the level of love and support that we felt. It felt like our wedding day. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was very special to have have them out there, and and not to mention, you know, my F three guys, you know, those guys. There's some of them that were out there all night long, you know, in the pouring down rain, just kind of huddling under a tent or either in the car, and you know, they weren't going anywhere. They were there for me, and that that really meant a lot to to have them there and to have somebody there. There was six different guys that ran throughout the night on six different laps, and you know, without them, I, I don't know if I could have done that. But knowing that they were there and they were suffering right along with me, hey, I was all in. You know, if, if they were willing to go through that with me, then, yeah, I'm I'm going. Wow. It's, uh, it makes me think, you know, like that's what life is all about. Now, like it sounds like you're a man of faith. We we, we, you know, we believe in God and we, we try to bring God into our running as much as possible and, and don't mean to get too religious here, but as you said, mentioned them suffering along with you, it makes me think about, you know, our savior, Jesus Christ and how he suffered for us to help us along the way. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what life is all about. It's, it's about, you know, helping one another and being there for one another. And I think ultra running really brings the best out in people and helping one another, you know, get through the hard times to come out on top, you know, so it's beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no doubt. So what was it like crossing that finish line? Finally, oh, the know, finish getting... line. <laughs> yeah so so here i am lap 13 coming to the finish line and as i approach you know i could see everybody kind of huddled up there at the finish line and it was kind of the finish line was kind of in a little like a picnic shelter we kind of had to run through the picnic shelter because it was raining so they kind of set up in there and so everybody was outside but it thinking back now it was kind of strange because everybody was outside and then everybody kind of went inside and i'm like where's everybody at and so I run through what I thought was the finish line, expecting to be done. But then I find out that I'm not done. <laughs> I, the, the race director said that they have the course measured out at 98.5 miles with 13 wow. laps. And then in order to get to the 100 mile mark, I needed to do another mile and a half, a little short loop around the lake there. And my buddies just grabbed me and pushed me out of the little picnic shelter and said, let's go. And you know, I didn't even have time to process it or think about it. You know, they, they oh, made sure goodness. I didn't have time to, they, they knew about this for, <laughs> for like a couple laps. They knew it was coming and they, they chose not to say anything. And, you know, maybe that was the right <laughs> idea. I don't know. But when I got there, they pushed me out the door and, and we kept going and we did that last little mile and a half together right around the, around the lake there. But the funny thing is, you know, my my watch had clicked over, you know, I was, well, by the time I finished mile 13, I was at like 102 miles on my watch. And so when I finished, I was at a, like 103.6 miles, all said done by my count. So <laughs> I, I feel like I got my money's worth and a little more out of that one. Yeah. That, that wow. made me a, well, I just know how I get at the end of a hundred miles and and I get mad if I think you're making me run more than I have to, because that, that that happened to me on a hundred where they changed the course a little bit, but they said, no, it's the exact same mileage. And I was like, bull crap. But yeah, that's awesome. 103. Yeah. huh? Did you tell the race yeah. director afterwards? Like, Hey, I got 103. Oh no. He, he knew about that even before I left to take that last mile and a half loop. Yeah. <laughs> to say I was, I was a little upset, but, but, but we got it done. So I'm I'm curious, Jacob and I always joke about how anticlimactic a 100 mile finish is, because it's like I don't know at a 5K or or like a road marathon, it's like you know there's tons of people, everybody's cheering. But with the hundreds that we've been at and experienced, it's like you've ran all day, and and it's not most people are not waiting at a hundred mile finish line the entire time. So there's usually like three people there you know, they cross the finish line, there's like a cowbell and two people clapping and then you sit down and it's like done. Right. <laughs> you, so, you nailed it. You nailed it. That's that exactly what it, what it was. You know, here I am, this was a 30 month, I mean, a 30 hour event 
and I'm at 29 hours and 31 minutes. There's not a lot of people left around, you know, even there were 62 people in the event. And so even out on the course, you didn't even see a lot of people. And, you know, there was always a lot of people at the finish line, but given this was the end, it was only 30 minutes left. They were literally packing up their equipment, getting ready to go. And so I come through and it was just my people. It was my crew. It was my family. And then there was a handful of people still working there. And, and that's what it was. But, you know, the, the important people were there, my crew, my family. And so it, it made it all worthwhile. And that's what matters. I love it. Another question about, about the finish. Jacob and I describe our first ultra finish as almost a spiritual experience. Like we couldn't believe what we had just done. It was almost like, oh, and, and I've only ever had this experience once with our first ultra, but it was almost like this out of body experience of like, like, I just cannot believe that our bodies just did that. Did you have any kind of like euphoria or like, I can't believe I just did that? Or was it mainly, holy crap, I'm in so much pain or, or, or what, what yeah. were the emotions? I, I think that, that I was overwhelmed with emotions. Just there, there's been a lot of build up emotions you know there's there's a lot of time alone in your head when you're out doing something like this and a lot of things go through your head and doubt and and everything else and so just getting there it's like it all just came out at one time and then, I mean it was it was a pretty emotional moment for me to to know that I was done to know that I did not have to go any further and and it yeah it was it was it was a pretty cool feeling and I just remember I, I sat down and you know, I feel like, you know, when they, when I thought I was done at the hundred mile or the 13 mile mark, you know, I thought I was done, you know, and my body was like, we're done, but here they pushed me out. And I probably ran that last mile and a half faster than I did anything, the whole race, you know, cause I wanted to be done. At least I felt like I did anyway, but you know, that goes to show, you know, our, our, our bodies can, are capable of so much more, you know? here I am thinking I'm done. You know, my body wants to be done. And here I am, I got to go run another mile and a half, you know, let's go, let's get it done. And just sitting down, I think sitting down finally, after it was all done, you know, the emotions just kind of came over me and the, and then the pain really, I think kind of set in there. I think as long as, as long as I was moving, I didn't really give my body a chance, you know, to, to realize what was going on. But as soon as you stop, that's when it all sets in. Oh, those are very true words. I think I, that's accurate. I think true. it's the emotions wash over and then the pain hits. Your mind <laughs> finally says, okay, I'm done. And then your body's like, you're done finally. All right. Let me tell okay, you. Okay, now here's all the wrong. spots that you need to fix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I mean, I I could hardly walk getting out of there. I had to get help getting in the car. And, but, but, it, but, I, but I felt like if, if they had pushed me out the door and said we had to do another mile and a half loop, I could have I done that. I feel like I yeah. could have done that. But once you sit down and, and stop and your body catches up to you, you can't. You know, I think the last, the last two times that I went through base camp, um, I, I told them that I didn't want to stop, that I didn't want to sit down. Because I could tell the, the, long, the further I got along in the race, every time I'd go by and sit down and change or refuel and eat or whatever – the harder it was for me to get going again. And in the late stages of the race, it, it became evident that if I was to sit down, it's, it's going to be very, very tough and painful to get going again. And so I just chose to just not sit down and not, not stop. Dang. Sometimes that's what it takes in, in life too. Sometimes you just got to power through. Yeah. Mad respect because I'm not going to lie. I'm the runner that likes to stop at the every aid station at the end and be like, ah, I need this break. But (laughs) anyways, I I get, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. So now, now looking back at this year of running, here you are, didn't even, didn't even classify yourself as a runner a year ago. Heck, you, you still might not classify yourself as a runner, but anyways, now you've ran a hundred miles, you've ran a marathon, you've had a year of training. What are your, what have been your main lessons learned through this past year? And also just through this hundred mile race that your big takeaways from it? Well, I think the biggest thing is just don't be afraid to set big goals, you know, set goals you may think are unachievable, reach for the stars, you know, do more than you think you can. And you may surprise yourself 
you know, what you're capable of. I'm a big fan of, of setting goals. You know, I like to have something to look forward to. I like to have a reason. And I think, you know, setting those goals, holding yourself accountable. I think those are, that that's something we all need. Agreed. Amen. I love that. Don't let it, don't let the goal scare you. Set it. No. Well, or get a goal that does scare you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let, and let yeah. that fear push you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look back, you know, I set goals that I look back now and I'm like, wow, I've done so much more than that. And so, but at the time when I set that goal, that goal was like something that I thought was maybe not achievable. And now I look back and it's like, hey, that was just another stepping stone, you know? Exactly. So, so when is, when are you going to sign up for a 200 mile race? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, That's the next big jump, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if I'm ready for that big jump. We'll see. So you mentioned to us before we started recording that, so you ran this hundred mile, we're recording this on Monday, February 20th, and you ran the hundred, was it February 10th and 11th is 10th, that what you said 10th and 11th that's right yeah okay and then this past weekend so a couple days ago you did another race yeah that's right again the same guys that are from f3 we did was what's called the damn to damn it's a, it's a 100k race it's a relay race from lake murray to lake greenwood and we did it as a as a four-man team it's typically a six-man team but we did it as a four-man team and another way to spice it up this year is that we didn't assign any legs. We we drew pennies to see who was going to run each leg. So it was just completely awesome. random if we ran a three-mile leg or a seven-mile leg. We didn't know. And so we knew that we'd each run three miles, and our rules were that you couldn't run consecutive laps. But but other than that, we, we had fun with it. I probably shouldn't have been out there running, but yeah. but it was how <laughs> it was kind of how do you feel? It, it feels, it feels a lot better. It, it, the, the first day was like, I didn't want to get out of bed. Didn't know if I could get out of bed, but then I found that, <laughs> you know, as, as I got up and started moving, I felt like that was the best thing. So I think anybody that gets in that situation where you're just sore, I think moving's the, the best medicine, you know, moving around, getting those muscles moving again. I, I think that's the best thing for you. And so it, it was tough out there, but again, you know, I'm out there with my guys. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to be the, the slowest one out there. And so I had to, had to fight through it and, and do what I could to, to get done. It is the best medicine. I'm, I love that you said that. I'm such a big believer in that. I feel like there's this cycle that people go through where you hurt, so you don't move, but then you hurt even more. So then you don't move and then it just gets worse and worse. Right. But just getting up and I'm a physical therapist assistant and in school, we always said motion is lotion. So, you know, get up, move those joints, even if it's really, really easy movement, any movement is good for your body. So absolutely. Yeah. So what's the plans moving forward? Are you, are you going to keep running these big races or what are you thinking? I gotta, I gotta set some new goals. I'm, I'm looking for the next big thing. I don't know what it is just yet, but but I'll I'm sure I'll find it. We've got a well, we got a couple of fun things coming up. We got a, another uh, another race coming up in March with my guys. This is a a 12 man relay. It's a 200 mile race that we're doing from Columbia all the way to Charleston, and uh, it's a two day event. And uh, yeah, it's 12 man team, 200 mile relay. It's pretty cool. We live out of vans for two days and, and have a ball. That sounds like a lot of fun. So you are doing a 200 mile race. I am. Yeah, there you go. Just as a team. <laughs> that sounds like a blast. Yeah. Man. So before we let you go, we asked this question to, to everyone. And you might have already hit on this, but what advice would you have for someone who just signed up for their first 100 mile race? What would you tell them? Yeah, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You, you're you're going to hurt, but know that the pain is temporary, but also know that quitting is forever, you know, and, and that's one thing that, that stuck with me, you know, knowing that if I quit, I got to wake up to that every day. And, uh, you know, also, you know, I think I, I did mention this earlier, you know, our, our bodies and our minds, they're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And so when you think you're done, you're not done. You've got a lot more in you. So don't be scared to do the hard things, set goals, 
make a plan and go out and execute. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if you're setting out to do an ultra marathon and you think you're going to be comfortable during it, you're going to have a big wake up call during that race. (laughs) So yeah, through the training and like, I, I look back at my training and I look at the races that I was the most prepared for that I performed the best. And I think it was that training cycle. I'd had a lot of long runs where I was uncomfortable for most of that run. And I think that made a huge difference in just being able to callous the mind, as David Goggins says, and, you know, put that pain aside and just know that you can keep moving forward, even though you're uncomfortable. That's it. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. If our listeners have any questions or want to reach out to you in any way, do you have like a social media or any way to contact or are you pretty low-key guy no pretty low-key guy don't really have much out there so well yeah. they can send us email, they can, yeah send them to you guys and you guys can get in touch yeah okay if you guys okay. have any questions email us at trail to 100 and we'll shoot those questions over to michael thank you michael for joining us we really i enjoyed talking to you i find a lot of relatability to you my first marathon i'd actually never run an official race until i ran a marathon and it uh, and my first marathon was actually four hours too so i think it's awesome what you did you just set the goals you know you figured out what you wanted and you went for it and you executed so that's awesome thanks for coming on michael hey well thank you all both for having me i really enjoyed our time here and and really enjoy your podcast and look forward to, to many more. Big thank you goes out to Michael Davis for sharing his story about how he ran a hundred miles within a year of really starting the run. You know, when we first started interviewing people, I was like, how long can we keep this podcast going? Just getting race recaps because I thought, at one point or at some point is it just going to be the same story over and over again and it's never the same story everyone has a different story everyone has a different why it just never gets old i'm just inspired inspired by every yeah first ultra yeah. recap story now michael seemed to be a little, he was pretty physically active before this as he said he was in that f3 gym but uh it's still crazy that he went from not running consistently to running 100 miles within one year. So kudos to him. Hats off to him. Seriously, seriously impressive. So what's your takeaway, Mel? My big takeaway, and I know that this isn't really what the podcast is about, but I, I guess we did touch on this a good amount, is um, running with people. And and the reason that stood out to me is because we we had a podcast earlier where we also talked about that. And it's something that has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, Jacob and I, I mean you. <laughs> we, um, I don't know what proper English is, so. I don't know. Anyways. Don't ask me. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Anyways. Um, we just, we're training for different things right now and we're not running together as much as we have in the past. Um, and... I have been kind of lonely on my runs and I used to think like I'm just a lone wolf like I consider myself an introvert I really like my lone recharge time and usually that's running but now I work from home so I'm already you know alone all day and I just have been feeling kind of lonely and I've been thinking you know I gotta get out and run with people and then we had these couple podcasts where we you know we really talked about the importance of it um my running coach has talked about the importance of it and I just have heard so many people talk about how running with people made all the difference in their training so that's what stood out to me and and I think I'm going to make more of an effort to run with people gotcha yeah yeah that's been a theme lately um So what stood out to me was actually pretty much like one line in particular, like everything he said was really good, but I guess this is something that I hadn't really thought about before I had, but it struck me when he phrased it like this and he was talking about his crew, um, helping him out and being with him through the night and through the rain and being there, you know, every step of the way. And he said, 
they were there with me and they were struggling with me. And I mentioned it in the podcast uh, a little bit about how I feel like that relates to Jesus Christ. This is because we watched The Chosen yesterday, huh? Could be. Could be. So anyways, um, just the whole struggling aspect. And it it made me think about um, there's a scripture in Matthew where it's Jesus talking and he talks about, I can't, I don't remember the exact scripture, the exact words, but he says, you know, take my yoke. Let me take your yoke upon you or something like that for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And a yoke is the uh, thing that oxen, you put around oxen to pull the wagon. And, you know, there's always, most time there's two things so that you're it's supposed to be like you and someone else you know two ox pull a wagon and so i've always thought you know i've heard the 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 analogy that you're in one side and jesus is in the other pulling side by side with you and you're suffering together yes and you're suffering together but you're not alone and you're never alone and so that's that made me think about ultra running and how it when you're crewing someone and helping someone else out, it's actually teaching you to be more Christ-like. You know, like you see, like the same thing. God knows what our goals are, and He wants to help us with it. And when we're crewing and helping other people, um, we know what their goal is, and we want to help them. And we know we're gonna suffer. We're not gonna get a lot of sleep. We're gonna run through the night. Um, but I think it. I think it's really amazing that in the end, like helping other people with their ultras and crewing and pacing in a sense is teaching us to be more Christ-like. That's really cool. I think that's an awesome takeaway. It's true. When you pace someone, it's a really big sacrifice on your part. And the thing is, you don't get a t-shirt or a medal. You just go and it feels like you ran a hundred miles because you haven't slept and you're on the phone trying to figure out where's this person and what is what does he need the next aid station and and the car is a mess and you're trying to find the sandwich that he wants and then then you then you find it then you have to repack the car and then drive to the next aid station and it it's a lot of work it's a lot of time it's also a lot of money because you have to buy your food and your running clothes and and your travel fees and yep like that's a lot to help someone else People get across taking the work line. off where you could be making money, but now you're not cause you're helping them. So, and, and I think, you know, like that's what it makes it so meaningful when you're the runner, because you're like, wow, these people really do love and care for me, you know? Cause yeah, I mean, look what they're doing for me. And so anyways, I just, I thought that was when he said that it, it like clicked in my head about, wow, it really is amazing what this sport can teach us when we work together and help one another out. Ooh, that's powerful. I am ready to go pace somebody who <laughs> yeah. needs a pacer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're actually helping out this weekend uh, here in Ogden, Utah. There's a race uh, called Rufa running up for air up on Maylands Peak where they're doing a 24-hour event of going up a 2,000-foot you know, it's climb. about five miles there and back. Yeah, in a snowy terrain, and it's just repeats for twenty four hours. So we're gonna go out there and help them out. So we we've made a goal to volunteer at at least one event a month. Yeah, whether it's pacing or or doing a aid station or just so we can get out and and help more. Yes. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the podcast today. And once again, a big thank you to Michael Davis for teaching us so much about discipline and determination and not letting outside influences get the best of you. Now, remember, guys, our guests share a lot of valuable information and about where they, you know, what they use to succeed. And we put all those links in our show notes and this is for every single episode that we've done so make sure if you hear something that you like and you want to check it out just go to our show notes there's links there that will direct you right to whatever that guest was talking about that helped them achieve their goals of running ultra marathons and please go to apple or and slash and slash or spotify and rate us so more runners like you can find the podcast and get information to help them cross the finish line of their first ultra. 
thank you everyone for joining us and we will talk to you all next time. Hey guys, it's Melody here. Thank you so much for listening to Trail. It means so much to us. I'm really excited to tell you about my coaching business where I help average Joes who are looking for a little bit more out of life do something big to find a little bit more purpose, direction, and meaning. I know what it's like to feel stagnant or like something's missing or like you just want more out of life. I was in the same spot. Jacob and I had just gotten married and we were both working nine to five jobs and we just were like, what do we do now? We, we just wanted something more and we listened to David Goggins book and we decided to sign up for a 50 mile race. And since then we've done fifties, we've done Jacob's done a couple hundreds. I've done one, 100 and, and running has changed our lives. I feel like I always have a goal to work towards. I feel accomplished and proud of myself. I feel like I have learned countless life lessons that have made me a better friend, a better wife, a better daughter, a better person. And I want to give back and help you do the same thing. I'm telling you, running can change your life. If you're ready to jump in and sign up for a race, whether it's three miles or 100 miles, I would be honored to help you cross the finish line. If you want to learn more or get in touch with me, go to my Instagram at Pine Tree Running or my website, MelodyBateman.biz. You have so much potential and you are way stronger than you know. Let's find your strength because it's there just waiting to be tapped into.